Hello everyone and welcome to today's talk. Today's question will be, or today's question is, how can the Caribbean achieve food security? I think, um, yeah, especially in today's day and age with all the, yeah, black swans and uh, crisis going on in the world, I think it's more than ever important for every country and in that case, the Caribbean as a region, um, yeah, to make sure that you can actually feed your population. And therefore, we want to have a look at today's status quo of the Caribbean food supply chain and their food supply in general. And um, yeah, we'll have a look at the requirements and therefore also have a look or discuss some of the potential solutions or recommendations um, that of the things that can be done to make sure that the Caribbean isn't reliant on external food supply or food imports. So let me pull up my slides here. So when we talk about Caribbean food security, um, yeah, that's how I want to structure this talk. Um, first of all, we want to talk about the goal, then the requirements, and then the recommendations. Give me one second. So um, before we start, or if you're watching this live or as a recording, doesn't really matter. Um, let me know if you can see and hear me loud and clear. Leave a like there if the quality is great and you actually like that type of content and as always you can use the chat or the comment section to ask your questions share your thoughts agree or disagree and just have a conversation all right so the goal should be national food security meaning or how can national food security be achieved um, i think before we can answer this question we need to define or explain um, what we actually mean by that so the question then becomes what is national food security compared to just food security in general because when we look at the general definition of the united nations committee on world food security meaning when we talk about food security in general for the whole planet then food security is defined as a meaning that all people at all times have physical social and economic access to sufficient safe and nutritious food that meets their food preferences and dietary needs for an active and healthy lifestyle ergo a country needs to be able to produce the minimum required calories for its population without need of foreign food imports so that's the definition or the goal that we want to run with today because we can talk a lot about different diets and um, different needs and requirement for a healthy diet um, but at the end of the day um, yeah 90 95 percent of the question is um, can we actually have enough or does a can country is a country able enough to produce enough calories for its population so that they don't starve to death and then vitamins and healthy food and everything um, comes after that meaning um, is relatively easy um, to achieve compared to the calorie question so then um, yeah how many calories does a human person 
needs per day. And depending on the sources, depending where you live, how old you are, if you're male or female, um, of course, you need um, a different amount, but roughly on average, a human needs around 2,100 calories per day. And um, you know, as you can see here, um, the top 10 or the bottom 10% of income can afford 1,500 calories and um, the top 10% of income, globally speaking, or from the assessed countries here, um, can afford over 4,000 calories per day. That's why we, in especially developed nations or rich countries, um, yeah, see so much obesity and yeah, too much calorie intake becomes a problem. So um, I want to break it down to really yeah, have a very tangible example um, on a Caribbean state that is hopefully representative for a lot of Caribbean nations and maybe the most famous one in that case Jamaica with the biggest population English speaking and so on. So we have roughly 3 million people there, not exactly, but with tourists, something around that. Um, and as we just said, um, everybody needs 2,100 calories per day. We have 365 days per year. That means to feed the whole Jamaican population for one year, we need roughly 2.3 trillion calories per year. So that's a two with 12 zeros behind that. And when we then have a look at um, you know, what kind of crops make the most sense or what kind of crops um, have the most calories, then we have basically three. We have corn, potatoes, and sugarcane. These are probably the most calorie-dense um, yeah, known to mankind, um, with around about 15 million calories that can be produced per acre. Requirements. So what do we actually need to be able to grow um, that food or enough food to feed a population in that case? Um, and that's an example, Jamaica. So uh, of course, we need a suitable landmass, meaning we need enough land that can be used for agriculture to grow these kind of crops. crops. Um, we need a suitable climate, meaning enough sun, not too much, enough irrigation, rainfall, not too much. And last but not least, um, we need fertilizer, nutrients for the plants so that they can actually grow. So question number one or point number one, suitable landmass. When we have a look at, um, again, the globe, the world first, um, then we see that Earth's surface is around uh, 149 million square kilometers in land mass. The rest is ocean. Again, around 30% land, 70% ocean. Um, out of that 149 million kilometers, we have around 70%, meaning around 100 million square kilometers on habitable land, um, meaning not in Antarctica, not on a glacier or something like that. And out of that, we have around 50% suitable for agriculture, meaning 50 million square kilometer. And then most of that, more than 70%, almost 80% is used um, for um, meat and dairy. And only 23% is used for crops, vegetables, fruits, and so on. Um, but, and that's the interesting part here, um, 
although we only use 23% um, for crops, they supply over 80% of the global calorie supply. So basically the perfect Pareto principle here, around 20% of crops of the land mass um, supplies or provides 80% of the calories. And then we can split that into protein and protein from animals and from plant-based food. That's not what I'm going to talk about here, but we can see that we have roughly one third of the land mass can be used for agriculture. And out of that, around 20% is used for crops, globally speaking. And when we then um, look at Jamaica, Jamaica has yeah, almost 11,000 square kilometers in area. And then we have around 202 acres, uh, not acres, 202 hectares in active farmland. That data, that number is from 2007. That's the most yeah, recent one that I could find. If you have more um, recent data, please let me know. So we have 200,000 hectares roughly um, in active farmland in Jamaica right now. And if we convert that into acres, that's around 500,000 acres. So 200,000 hectare, around 500,000 acres. And as we then remember, we have around about 15 million calories if we per acre, if we um, yeah, grow one of these three crops, corn, potatoes, or sugarcane, which all grow in Jamaica. And then therefore, at least in theory, we could harvest 7.5 trillion calories per year, maybe even more because again, uh, Jamaica has very favorable climate. We'll talk about that in a second, meaning there might be multiple harvesting cycles possible here. So if we then compare that to the needed amount, meaning 2.3 trillion calories are needed to feed a whole Jamaican population and we have a potential supply of at least 7.5 trillion calories, um, again, probably, or not probably, but maybe um, more than we see, okay, there, there would be, at least from a landmass perspective, enough farmland, enough landmass that is yeah, suitable for growing crops to feed the population just from a calorie perspective. So next important part besides, um, yeah, land to grow or to practice agriculture or to grow crops, um, we also need a suitable climate to do so, um, mainly sun hours, temperature, and of course, irrigation. So when we look at the average daytime and nighttime temperatures here in Jamaica, then we see that we almost always have a temperature between 23 and 33 degree Celsius, which is for most crops, um, you're absolutely fine. We don't want to go over 30 degrees, so maybe in the summer that might be um, a little problematic, but all in all, we have very favorable temperatures here. And depending on the source um, that you look at, um, we have an average annual rainfall of 2,100 milliliter rain per year, which is again also um, yeah, suitable or enough rain to grow most 
crops, it's probably more a problem between the different climate zones on the island where you have one very uh, rainy area or rainy part, very wet part, and another area that is very, very dry and uh, yeah, more desert-like. So the average annual rainfall might not be the best uh, number here, but just to give you an idea. And then last but not least, maybe even the most important part of the whole equation is um, fertilizer. And um, yeah, you might heard a lot of about yeah, fertilizer prices or natural gas and the war in Ukraine and uh, things of that nature. So um, yeah, we will see how or why that is so important and why fertilizer plays such a crucial role um, when we talk about global food supply but also when we talk more specifically about Caribbean or in that case, Jamaican food supply. So when we look at the world population um, over the last yeah, 150 years, roughly since 1850, then we see that at around yeah, somewhere between 1900 and 1950, the world population really starts to grow and really exploded. And can also see here that that was around the time where total nitrogen nitrogen produced um, yeah really started or start to exploding. Um, why is that so important? Um, yeah, generally speaking, a plant needs besides again sunlight, air, water. It also needs nitrogen. It needs a few other. Um, fertilizer uh, stuff and minerals and so on, but the, the primary or one of the most important ones is nitrogen. So now you could think, well, there's enough nitrogen in the air. After all, like 78% of air is or contains or is made out of nitrogen, but that's in a form that is not really available for the plant. So therefore, in the past, um, yeah, what did people do? Basically, you took the nitrogen that was in organic matter made a compost out of it or put manure on the fields um, and then microorganisms, bacteria and so on broke that down in a form that the plant can actually absorb and use for plant growth. Therefore, um, yeah, food production was always very limited and it was always very important how um, yeah, good your soil was and how much minerals and how much nitrogen um, your soil has on a natural basis because, yeah, on dead soil, you basically weren't able to grow anything. And um, yeah, then as we saw, um, humanity figured out how to basically extract nitrogen from the air, put it in a salt and uh, make it um, solvable in water and therefore available or easier available for plants. And that's why we see here that um, yeah, today's population couldn't be sustain or couldn't be uh, fed without um, yeah, synthetic uh, nitrogen fertilizer, which basically exclusively comes from a process that is called the Haber-Bosch process. Um, yeah, two Germans, um, Fritz Haber, discovers um, the process in his lab, and then Karl Bosch um, basically yeah, developed the process um, that is or that can be used on an industrial scale um, with BISF. And um, yeah, from that point on, um, we were basically able to use natural gas as an energy source to pull out the nitrogen out of the air and then yeah, 
salt in, put it in uh, ammonia and urea and therefore in salt form in solvable and water solvable form and therefore we could use it as a fertilizer put it on the fields and increase um yeah on the one hand food production and then on the other hand of course the world's population today without that uh, we weren't be wouldn't be able to feed um, as much people as we have today on the planet so and then that's what you maybe know or that's the form that you probably know fertilizer or nitrogen fertilizer and these kind of yeah big um big sacks of yeah, little pellets um that are then either put in the ground or again dissolved in water and put on the fields that way but of course there are not only um, upsides besides the fact that again almost half of the human population um, is fed through um yeah, that way without nitrogen fertilizer would be able to sustain um, that big of a global population. But of course, we also have some downsizes of synthetic fertilizers. Mainly, um, yeah, if you do it too much, you can just burn um, your plants, meaning if there's a farmer who wants to yeah, get as much yield as possible and puts more and more fertilizer on the field, then that can also kill your plants and therefore ruin um, the harvest. Then um, again, because it is sol sol solvable in water, um, it can more easily leak into the environment. So for example, when you have floods or a lot of rain, then um, the salts and the minerals uh, really get washed out of the ground and uh, yeah, can leak into the environment and maybe even uh, contaminate uh, groundwater. Therefore then other animals or humans uh, drink that kind of water and uh, just generally speaking can uh, pollute the environment harm people can harm plants can harm other animals on top of that um again over the last yeah months maybe 12 months maybe a little longer 24 months um we saw a pretty heavy increase in fertilizer prices again there are basically three main fertilizer nitrogen or NPK, nitrogen, potassium, and K, I don't know, kalium or something. Um, third mineral, again, nitrogen is the most important one, but um, all of them, all of them, as you can see, increased in price over the last um, yeah, 24 months or so, meaning um, especially when you are a smaller farmer or um, not the rich country that can afford the higher fertilizer prices to pay the higher prices to import fertilizer um, then fertilizer becomes really yeah a scarce good and therefore can yeah threaten your domestic food supply when you're no longer able to grow enough food to feed your population so i think that's maybe the biggest bottleneck um in all of that for the caribbean meaning we have usually enough land mass love suitable suitable land mass um, to grow we have yeah, a favorable climate but um, are usually very dependent from fertilizer imports therefore fertilizer prices have a big impact um, on the price of the final product so then of course the question becomes is orga organic farming better meaning don't rely so heavily um, on synthetic fertilizer but use more organic or natural methods um, meaning more composting um, yeah, more recycling 
of uh, plant waste, manure, um, you yeah, use manure as fertilizer and so on. Again, as I said earlier, basically use the um, minerals, use the nitrogen that is there in organic form, break it down, let it rot um, and let yeah, microorganisms make it or break it down so that it's available for plants. And um, yeah, the question is, is that actually better? Um, and I think that's a very important question and something that we have to look very closely at because especially when we're talking about organic or regenerative farming or um, green or all of these kind of buzzwords, um, we have to be very, we have to make sure that we're not talking only talking about a marketing uh, thing and some greenwashing to make it look better or to make us feel better and I don't know, go back to nature or be more natural, um, things of that, um, saying, but really that it's actually beneficial for everybody involved and actually can keep its promises. So therefore, um, when we look at um, yeah, some studies and some data, meaning the environmental impacts of organic versus conventional agriculture, as we can see here, um, then we have to admit that the data is kind of indifferent because on the one hand, when we look at greenhouse gas emissions, then organic methods um, um, look better, meaning they emit less um, greenhouse gas. When we look at the land use, then we see um, that uh, organic methods perform worse, meaning you need, you need more land mass to um, achieve the same output to produce the same amount of crops that you would do with convention compared to conventional farming. And um, when we look at the potential of um, yeah, polluting the, the water or the environment in general, um, organic methods can even be worse compared to um, conventional farming. Or when we look at yeah, acidification, meaning yeah, making the water and the environment more um, acidic from the pH uh, um, factor in, in, in the water, um, then also Organic methods are not necessarily better, sometimes even worse. And when we look at the energy use, um, yeah, depending on what specific crop you're growing, it can be more energy intensive or can be less energy intensive. So we have to really look closely what we're actually growing here. But um, I think it's yeah inaccurate or basically when we look at the data, we can't say that um, organic or conventional is better or worse. I think both have their pros. Um, and cons, like everything in life, there, is, there are no solutions, there are only trade-offs. And therefore, I think we have to be look very closely um, what uh, actually could be solutions or ways to approach agriculture's food security um, from a yeah, um, perspective, if we focus more on organic or more on the conventional um, approach. And then, of course, the question is, um, do we maybe need bigger farms? Because the average farm size, um, at least in Jamaica, is around one hectare. Again, that's like two and a half acres, like two to three acres. That's usually the average farm size for most um, farms in Jamaica, meaning usually very um, yeah, small scale enterprises. So what would be my recommendation? What would be some of the, again, trade-offs, not solutions um, that we should have a look at when we actually say, okay, we have countries with, again, small land mass. Um, how can we, with great climate, 
how can we make sure um, to be sustainable? For example, when we look at countries like um, the Netherlands, one of the um, yeah, biggest exporter of foods, or um, when we look at small countries like Israel with a lot of desert, um, but they're also very um, good in supplying or in creating um, their own food supply. Um, I think these should be the yeah, examples maybe that we should look at when we say when we want to think about okay what can we do to achieve the same amount of food supply food security in the caribbean so um i think it will be probably or should be probably a combination of on the one hand conventional and on the other hand organic or regenerative farming meaning i think um, there are probably situations where conventional farming um, has an advantage and there are also situations where regenerative farming has an advantage. Of course, I would always make sure that there are no environmental damages, no matter what kind of approach you are using, that you are really sustainable in the sense that the operation can continue um, long-term over decades and then not for the short um, gain, you harm the environment in a way that uh, yeah, makes it impossible for future generations to supply themselves which I think means to minimize and optimize inputs, meaning to make sure that you use as yeah, few inputs as possible, meaning as few land, uh, as yeah, little as possible uh, when you use fertilizer and so on, that you're really resourceful um, with your material and your equipment and the resources that you have, really make sure to optimize the inputs um, compared to the outputs, because it does not necessarily mean that you always go for maximum um, yield or maximum output, but that you find the right balance between the inputs and therefore the damage that you do in some way or form or the costs that you have on the one hand and the output on the other hand. And I think... Um, a big contributor to that or a good approach or a starting point um, should be, and I think that gets cheaper and cheaper and easier accessible um, by the day, is um, data collection and smart farms. Meaning, um, yeah, you can really put sensors in the ground to measure the, the moisture of the soil, the fertilizer amount that is still in the soil, temperature, um, sunlight, um, and so on, and can really use that to, um, yeah, as I said earlier, optimize um, your inputs, only water when needed, only fertilize um, when needed, um, and really use that to feed a database, make decisions based on yeah, hard data, have predictable AI maybe to really make sure, okay, when do I best buy um, my fertilizer, how much fertilizer will I probably need next year based on the data compared to other data sets and so on. And um, yeah, you really use the available technology that comes down in price by the day and gets cheaper and cheaper to really even use um, that for yeah, smaller scale operations to optimize the yield without that much upfront investment costs for such systems. So data collection, Smart farms, I think that's a that's a good um, starting point and a good idea to yeah, look at for every government in the Caribbean when they want to support their farmers, when they want to support their agriculture and their food production sector. Then make sure that you secure your fertilizer supply or your fertilizer production. Again, um, BASF is by far the biggest yeah, 
chemical and therefore fertilizer producer in the world, you will never reach that amount of production capability. But um, make sure either through strategic and trade decisions that you always have a secure fertilizer supply chain and maybe even able, and if it's only on a small scale, to produce your own fertilizer to be able yeah, to grow your own food and don't have that as a bottleneck. Of course, all of that um, yeah, costs money, especially when we look at um, yeah, the very small farms um, that are yeah, common in most Caribbean countries. I think um, it's very important to make sure that the farmers there actually have access to financing um, yeah, to get that information, get that knowledge, make the necessary investments in that kind of smart technology and uh, therefore really optimize um, the food sector because again, not again, but yeah, a lot of um, farmers in the Caribbean are yeah, an unbanked population, therefore they often don't even have a bank account, therefore don't have access to financing to yeah, finance an upfront investment like developing farmland. So I think that's um, yeah, point D as a very important point or problem that needs to be addressed. So let's recap really quick. So if you stayed with me till here, feel free to leave a like, hit the like button, thumbs up button, wherever you are watching this. Generally speaking, the YouTube channel is, uh, at least in my experience, the best and most stable connection and experience. So feel free to head over there and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And as always, feel free to disagree with me, ask your questions in the comment section and let me know what you think. So recap, um, I think um, land and climate are suitable to feed the population in the Caribbean, um, although we always have very um, small um, island, nation, island nations and therefore um, yeah, very small land area and even smaller um, farmland area. Um, it is usually enough, again, if you grow the right crops to generate enough calories to um, yeah, feed your population and again um, the climate is so great that you can grow almost everything so all the other nutrients that you need besides from uh, calories um, you could also get just from the crops that you grow there so from that perspective you're completely independent um, from other countries you have everything that you need at home basically um, a problem are more um, or is more uh, the fertilizer aspect, meaning fertilizer, fertilizer prices um, are increasing right now and therefore um, the supply for most Caribbean nations um, is unsecured, meaning at a certain price point it's just no longer reasonable to import fertilizer or to you know, um, have farm production going at all. So therefore, fertilizer might be one of the biggest bottlenecks here. Step number three, if financing is available, then it makes sense to use smart farming, big data and AI to minimize the needed inputs and to optimize results so that you really use the few resources that you have to the best that you can. So, that's it from my point of view. Thanks for watching and for yeah staying with me. And let me know what you think. Um, if I missed anything, if you would um, add anything 
on top or if you have any question of course feel always free to connect with me on linkedin and again if you like that leave hit the like button like button like button and so on and um yeah again i think um food security is super important um especially for the caribbean um, which is very dependent on the imports that they get from the us again nothing wrong with that but just from a strategic perspective if for whatever reason the usa tomorrow um, we limit the food exports uh, uh, or the food imports to the caribbean then a lot of caribbean nations will have a problem to prevent that make sure yeah you develop your agriculture sector your own food supply make sure there are no there are enough calories um, produced on your domestic land and uh, yeah use technology use um, smart farming to get the most out of the resources that you actually have all right that's it for today thanks for watching and i hope to see you next time bye bye